0: The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Welcome. So glad that you're here. Uh, My name is Alan, and uh, we're going to continue our uh, foundational journey here this morning. Before I jump into that, I want to draw your attention to a card you received on the way in. It says, Annual Business Meeting. Nothing says party like an annual church business meeting. Woot woot! And so, as you can see on this card, there's a little bit of information. It gives a a general outline of what the 2017 budget is, and we we will be voting on that in two weeks. It also uh, highlights three. Uh, board candidates that we would like to add to the board. In addition to this, there will be two board candidates who are renewing uh, for another term. We're going to give more information on that and, and, and more information about these three candidates next week, but we wanted to at least get it in your hands this week so that we can vote on the 20th. So that's happening in two weeks. But this past week was the Cubs versus the Indians. I mean, that was, that was, oh, he even got a flag in the back, okay, I'm not, I'm not a baseball fan, I'm not even a baseball fan, but that was an incredible game, it was just an incredible moment, the the rain delay in the seventh game of the World Series, and goes into extra innings, and then the the Cubs win after a 108-year drought, just absolutely incredible, one of the things, yeah, Cubs, go Cubs! One of the things I enjoyed, again, not a huge baseball fan, but loved that game. One of the things I enjoyed about watching the game on TV were the number of times the camera would be on the fans in the, in the stadium and, and uh, how nervous they were. Whether they were Cubs or Indians, uh, Indian fans, they were so nervous. Maybe it's because they paid $3,000 to be there and they wanted to get their most out of it. But every t- it seemed like every person you saw, they had a hand to the face. You ever, you notice that? You just kind of glance through, and everyone was doing this, or they were doing this, or they were doing this, or they, there's some part of, you put your hand to your face when you're nervous. <laughs> this morning, we're talking about marriage. We're talking about the uh, uh, most beautiful of all human relationships, and the most frustrating. The most rewarding and the most difficult, so for the next 30 minutes, my guess is that there's going to be a little bit of this, <laughs> a little bit of this, a little bit of, oh, this whole thing. I mean, this is, this, this is, this is it. Just to be fair, uh, in, our, in our time here, uh, at the beginning, the men, men, you're not going to be happy with me right off the top at the beginning. And then about halfway through, maybe three-quarters of the the way through, women, you're not going to be happy with me. So by the end of our time, I'm pretty much going to, you're all going to be upset with me here. And so, doesn't that sound like, aren't you glad you're here? I mean, this is just going to be a party. But today, we are talking about a foundational verse. This year, we've identified 40 foundational verses to help us understand what the overall story of God is. And today, as we look at our unwritten story, we've identified a verse today that addresses the, 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 the marriage relationship. And most of us here in this room, we're either married or we are, uh, have plans to one day uh, be married. And so uh, this verse is, as I said last week, it's one of the most profound verses in Scripture, I believe. Whether you are, uh, even if you don't see yourself as a Jesus person or a church person, this verse is true, it is simple, it is practical. It is absolutely profound. Would you bow your heads with me as we head into this? Father, once again, I'm so thankful for your word, that it's not just this incredible story that we get to dig in and enjoy. It is so practical. It is so relevant for our journeys here today. So, God, as we look at our marriage relationships and consider a future marriage relationship, whatever that might look like for us here in this room, God, I'm so thankful that this is not just a regular conversation here this is a moment with you you are present here in this room and we are looking at your word the gift that you gave us so that we can understand how to love you better how to love one another better would you bless our time here together in christ's name we pray amen okay so men let me let me get started with you and 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 uh and here's the thing that you might not be that happy with me on when we look at the marriage relationship and the struggles, the, the, first of all, kind of the, where I want to get started with this is it's generally your fault. It's generally men's. Now, I heard a woo. Women, I'm, I'm, I'm not done yet, so just hold off on the woos. Uh, but just so men, that, and here's, here's what I mean by this, is that I've been doing pastoral ministry for over 20 years, and so I have had many conversations with, with you, with people about marriage relationships. It is the number one thing that people want to come and talk with me about and process through, et cetera. Many, many, many conversations. And guess who I talk with the most? The wives. It's, it's the, it's the wives. I mean, the vast majority of the time, it's the wife who comes in and says, I need to talk about this. I want to process this. And so she sits down, and I listen to her story, and I listen to her side of the story, recognizing it's only one side of the story, but I listen to her side of the story, and sometimes I tear up, and I engage with this, and I think, oh, I'm so sorry that you married such a loser. That's, that's kind of the general thing here, that, that she just wants to be loved, and why is it so hard for us men to love our wives? Why is it so hard for us to do that, it's kind of a universal struggle piece. Now, to be honest, there are times where I meet with someone, and after a while, I'm listening, and I think, I don't see how anyone could live with you. I, I, I'm, I just, I just, I, I'm not supposed to say that, I'm quite sure, but, um, but if you come to me, it's, it's free, and so you really get what you pay for, and so I'm just, I'm just saying, sometimes that's the case. But but, but most often, as I just kind of listen to the the desire to be loved, most often I just just see this consistent need to be loved and a dysfunction and a difficulty for us men to love our wives. And then I look at my own marriage. I love my wife. I know that I love my wife. I know that, that she knows I love her. I know that and yet there are time and time again after, after 19 years of marriage where she doesn't feel loved and I don't know what to do. So often in those moments I just, I want to help, I want to do something and I don't know what to do. And so I, I well, you want to you get some ice cream? I, and sometimes I'm just, I'm just stuck. Men, this is our job. This is our job in marriage. This is our role in marriage is to love our wives, yet it's so difficult for us. Based on my professional experience and my personal experience, the, the first landing place is, men, it's our fault. Men, it's your fault. Or is it? don't, <laughs> don't. That's where we need the organ to come in right there. We missed the timing on that. This is why I love our foundational verse for this morning. Our foundational verse is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Paul writes this as a letter to the Ephesian church, and this chunk here in chapter 5 is the longest section of Scripture that addresses the marriage relationship. And you're you're likely familiar with a number of the verses prior to this, and they're great. Read them, engage with them, dig in on them. But this is how Paul wraps up this whole section. He says, however, because he's flowing from stuff he's been talking about, each one of you, and he is addressing men. The assumption here in this letter that he's addressing the men. Each one of you men also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. What What I love, first of all, about this verse is that it recognizes that there's a difference between men and women, That it's not just a blanket. Here's what you all need to do. There's a difference between men and women. This is important because our culture for many years has been working very hard to disintegrate that difference, to say, women, you... Can do and say and be whatever any man. You can lift, build whatever any man can can build, lift, do, say, etc. Men, you need to be more in touch with your with your feelings. You need to talk more. You need to more be more like a hmm, a woman. And so the enemy has been on a rampage for centuries. This is not new. To create gender confusion. Now, I fully understand the importance of, of not treating a gender poorly. I mean, that's a terrific journey that humanity has been on. Don't treat a gender poorly, absolutely. But what's wrong with treating a gender differently? Poorly, bad, but differently. Paul here says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. There's a, a very intentional Different word here because men and women are different. We have different needs. We have different ways of expressing our needs. A woman often at times, and again, this is the journey that often happens. If a woman comes and meets with me, she says, she says I want him to love me. I love him and I want him to love me more. Men don't say that. I mean, it's very rare that that is going to be the summary problem from the perspective of a man. He listens to her, knows that she's got some self-image things that she's struggling with, and she's, she's nervous about her weight, etc. So, he goes and on uh, their anniversary buys a dieting book and wraps it up and gives it to her. He's being thoughtful. He has listened to her. And so, he walks that out and says, this is what that's going to mean. Now, she, on the other hand, she now has a story to share with her friends when they go out for lunch. And let me just tell you, let me just tell you, women, this is one of our greatest fears as men, that we are gonna do something, say something, stumble into something so that we become the center story in your next gathering of women. That's one of our greatest fears. We are gonna be the no he didn't story when you (laughs) gather together. It's absolutely one of our fears. Men and women are different. And this is, this is so important for, for us to understand this as we move forward, to us to embrace what Paul has written here. Instead of trying to make it all the same, can't we celebrate the difference and recognize and, and deal with the differences? We don't say to the guitar, you know what, you need to sound more like drums. We don't say to the drums, you know what? You need to kind of stop that smacking thing. You need to sound more like a guitar. Can you kind of get more chords out of your drum set? No, let them be different. Let them be who they are. Celebrate their differences. Men and women are different. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Now, the first part husbands love your wives, you, you must uh, love your wife as he loves himself. Typically, we get that one. I mean, we, we understand the overall concept. Uh, we learned this as a kid. First comes love, then comes marriage, and then there's more to that you know, poem. And so, but the whole idea is it's love, moves to marriage. We, we're familiar with the love piece. Men, we struggle with how to do that. Women, you struggle with communicating to us how to do that. There's an ongoing struggle, but we understand we're familiar with the word. We are, um, uh, it resonates with us. We, we get that one. But the respect piece, that's the one that is mind-blowing at how the level of importance that Paul puts on the issue of respect here. Yet in our culture, it doesn't show up nearly as high as love. We don't don't turn the radio to the station that has all the respect songs. There's one, and the band just played it. I mean, that's it. That's the respect song. And it's written, it's sung by uh, Aretha Franklin, but it was written by a man. It wasn't written by Aretha Frank. It was written by Otis Redding. It was written by a man. Give me some R-E-S-P-E-C-T. In general, young men and women don't write respect letters to one another. I respect you more. No, I respect you more. We don't drink respect potion number nine. It doesn't exist. No one has made that. And so for the, for the women, there's a natural and important journey to say, I need you to love me more. That's an important need that needs to be expressed. And it is expressed. I need you to love me differently or more. I want to help with that. But men don't say, I need you to respect me more. That's just a totally different phrase. I need you to respect me more. That either sounds pathetic or it sounds arrogant. Who are you to demand respect? Yet the importance, as we see in in this verse here, the importance of love for a woman is just as high as the importance of respect for a man. There's actually a a book called Love and Respect. A counselor and writer and author um, uh, uh, named Emerson Egricks wrote this book called Love and Respect, an entire book about one verse. You think I can talk along about one verse? It's an it's a whole book. It's really good. Uh, it's called Love and Respect, and it really unpacks all you know all that we're talking about uh, here today. And uh, it's just a great verse. And in there, he talks about this thing called the crazy cycle. And the crazy cycle is is this that when she doesn't feel loved, she reacts without respect when he doesn't feel respected, he reacts without love. And the crazy cycle is that it doesn't get, she doesn't feel loved, so she reacts without respect, etc., etc., And the whole thing continues and continues. Here's an example. And it's a stereotypical example. Just kind of take it for what it is. Fill in the blanks for your own a situation that might reflect your, your story more accurately. But let's say she, let's say she is wanting to set up for dinner for the evening. And it's a value for the family to enjoy dinner together. And so she has worked hard and the, she knows that the kids are home at a certain period of time and we can do this together. We have an hour period of time as long as he is home from work on time and she works hard and gets it all set up. Work doesn't go well. He doesn't get home on time. He gets home late, well into the, the, the planned time. And, and he doesn't say anything. He just jumps in and he's so distracted and so confused and all that. She feels very unloved, very unloved by the response. And so she reacts by saying, you could have called. Why didn't you call? You could have called. And so here he is just just stepping into the room, and he feels attacked. He feels criticized. He feels disrespected there and instantly in that moment. And, and so he just says, you have no idea what happened at work today. You have no idea what happened in the last half hour of work that made me Late, delayed me. You didn't ask, you didn't care about that, you just jump into that. And so that response makes her feel even more unloved. There's no apology in there. So she feels unloved, so she continues to act without respect, etc., etc. Oftentimes, we husbands that, that we respond when we get in a conflict situation. Oftentimes, our response is to want to separate ourselves, is to want to give us some space, is just to say, I just need a minute. I need to go into my office. I need to go for a drive. I need to go into my cave. I need to go watch the game. I need to, um, to work. I need to just stay at work for a while. I just need to work later. I get more, I get more out of that situation than I do at home. And it's just, it's just tricky. We kind of want the whole thing to, uh, uh, to just kind of uh, uh, fade away. And and this comes across as so unloving to our wives, and then oftentimes uh, she responds by saying, "Well, I want to, I want to fix you. I want to, I want to engage and kind of figure out what's going on. I want to identify for you what, 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 what hurt me and what happened and what you need to do differently next time. I want to talk about it. That, that, uh, uh, for him, criticizing." Equals contentment. That, that critique, and you know, we call it nagging or whatever. That that criticism, it, it equals contentment. And it makes him want to say, I want to get some distance. I want to separate myself from the situation. And I, and I want more quiet. I don't want to talk about it. I, wanna, I, want, I want you to be more quiet. And for her, silence equals disengaging. He's, he's disengaging. And so it is so deeply wounding to have this desire to say, I, I want to separate. I want some space. I want to go over here and do something. It's incredibly wounding. And for, and for her, she wants to engage with it and, and counteract the silence and talk about it more. And so for her in this crazy cycle, she wants to talk about it. She wants it, there to be more words and more volume. He wants less words and less volume. And then the, the cycle continues over and over again. She wants it louder. He wants it quieter. She wants uh, now together. He wants a little bit of space. And the crazy cycle goes on and on and on. It's crazy. Imagine if you walked into a dark room, or if, if you saw someone walk into a dark room, but they found the light switch, and then they went click, click, and it doesn't work. The light doesn't come on. So they try again, click, click. That's all normal. But if you watch someone go into a dark room, and they go in and they go click, 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 and then they go Clic, magic, chrome, <quatre> <Geme-arbeiten> click, Three, biscuit, <subscribe> click, 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 <laughs> click, 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 click click, 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 click. You'd say, that's a crazy person. I mean, that's a crazy, you tried it two or three times. It's not gonna work. Okay, move on. But that's what we do in marriage. We go, we do the same thing over and over again. It's the same fights about the same issue. We say the same things. We feel the same way. We do the same things. We act the same way over and over and over again. And the definition of craziness is that we expect some kind of change to happen, even though we're doing it the exact same way. We think one day he's going to get it. One day she's going to get it, and it's all going to be different. But we do it over and over and over again. It's a painful, crazy cycle, that most of us here in this room, if you're not familiar with the phrase, you're familiar with the concept. And the beauty is that Paul, 2,000 years ago, says, here's a way to get off that cycle. Here's a way to stop that craziness. Husbands, love your wives. Here's specifically what it says. Each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. There's a very important word for both the men and for the women. Must. Must. And there's no confusion in the translation of this word here. Must. The way we get out of the crazy cycle is that one, hopefully both, but that one says, I will stop. I will love you even if I don't feel respected because I'm commanded to. I will respect you even if I don't feel loved because I'm commanded to. Here's what it looks like. That that his love, regardless of her respect, is going to stop the crazy cycle. Her respect, regardless of his love, is going to stop the crazy cycle. That that's, that's how this thing stops. And again, It makes more sense with love, I think, than it does with respect, that love, we understand it to be unconditional. Love, real love, agape love, modeled by God in heaven, is that it is not conditional. It doesn't say, I will love you when, just as we sung about and what we talked about in worship is that God unconditionally loves us. That pours into the marriage. It's unconditional. It doesn't wait for you to do something first. It starts with love but it's a little trickier sometimes on the respect piece because women, let's be honest. How would you finish this sentence? I'll respect him when he, what? When he deserves it. When he deserves it, when he's acting, when 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 he loves me or whatever. But it's supposed to be unconditional too. It's supposed to be unconditional too. Wives, you're supposed to respect your husband even when you don't feel loved even when he is doing things that are disrespectful. Ouch. This is the one where you're mad at me. And I get that, but don't don't be mad at me. Be mad at Paul, because I didn't write it. These are not my words. Be mad at God who inspired Paul to write these words. I mean, this is this is profound, this difference. And this is what makes this beautiful marriage relationship. It's what makes it so hard. Because there are no guarantees that when we step out in love or we step out in respect, there are no guarantees that the other person is going to do his or her other half of this journey. There's no guarantees on it. Love and respect are easy when you know the other person's going to respond well. It's easy to make efforts and do things when you know the other person is gonna respond in loving and respectful ways. That's what dating is all about. And the first year of marriage. I mean, love and respect, they're all over the place. I mean, they are bouncing off the walls. You can't even see through the room because there's so much love and respect. You can't swat them away because there's so much love and respect. and It's all over the place. It's beautiful. It's so easy and fun. Let me just tell you, If you're dating, and you, women, if you're dating, and you don't respect the person you're with, don't marry him. Don't, Don't continue the relationship. You may love him. You may enjoy him. You may think he's really cute, but if you don't respect him, you don't respect what he does, how he treats your parents, how he treats other people, if you don't respect him, you are not going to be loved the way you need to be loved, the way you want to be loved. Just walk away. Because early on, you know, love and respect, like I said, they're, they're bouncing all over the place. But, but after a while, that relationship, it changes, and it's a beautiful thing, it changes. Things settle down, and the, and the depth happens, and we go deeper in those marriage relationships and get way beyond the bouncing love and respect, and we get to the hard stuff. Because it's hard to respect him when he doesn't love you. It's hard to love her when she's not respectful to you. That is where it's hard. But that's where, that's what we are commanded to do. Paul says, you must love your wives. It's not an option in marriage. You must respect your husbands. It's A must. It's a must. Okay, so how do we do this? So, okay, kind of got the general concept. How does this happen? And I just have two words for you. One word for the men and one word for the women, and then we're all done. How does a husband love his wife? One word, attention. Attention. Give her attention. I believe that the core question for a woman is, do you notice me? I think it's the core question of little girls spinning around in dresses. Daddy, do you notice me? Do you notice me? And it's the question that women uh, bring as they, as they get older. Do you notice me? Do you see me? Do you still think I'm radiating? Radiant. And so, and so uh, uh, men, find out what she's struggling with. What her, what her deepest concerns are, and instead of just walking away and give her some space and say, oh, uh, that's, that's heavy, that's difficult, I'm going to let her figure that out. You lean into that and do all that you can to help. That's the place where you lean in and you say, what can I do to help with that? What, what, what do you need from me? Do you want to just talk about it? What's going on? What do you need from me in there? That place, that deepest hurt for you. I want to give you attention in that spot. Also find out what she most loves to do but maybe she doesn't have time, she doesn't have an opportunity because life is so busy. What does she most love to do? What does she most enjoy doing? And then fan that flame. Fan that flame and say, I want to help with that because when you feel loved, you are all the more likely to be respectful and you're the one I love and so I want you to, to flourish in that situation. Man, when you feel like she is disrespectful, when she is criticizing And that's hard. That is hard, I know. When you feel like that's where she is, just imagine that all of what she's doing, that she is just standing there with a sign that says, I need your love. I need your attention. Wives, how do you respect your husband? Again, it's just one word. Admiration. 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 I think the core question for men is, do I have what it takes? It's what young boys ask. Do I have, can I climb this mountain? Can I finish this? Can I do this? And as as men, we say, can I get this job done? Will I I, uh, be successful? Will I uh, take care of things? Uh, Will I create something, build something? Do I have what it takes? And may your response to your husband's be a resounding Yes. In the same way that the response to the women should be a resounding yes, I, I notice you. It should be a resounding yes to the men. Yes, I, I, ad, I admire you. And what that means is, uh, women, don't try to fix him. Don't, don't identify the weaknesses. Because I know, I know that can come from a loving place to say, I want to help. Instead of focusing on the weaknesses, admire his strengths, And let him be on the journey of his own growth and development. Let him be on the journey of that and encourage him towards that. But when you point out and identify the weaknesses, that comes across as disrespectful. Believe in him even when no one else does, when things are struggling at work and struggling with his friends. Believe in him even when he doesn't believe in himself. And when he is unloving to you and is quiet and not talking, just imagine him standing there with a sign that says, I need your respect. I need it. I'm desperate for it. I need your admiration more than anyone else in the world. That's what I need. Husbands, love your wives. You knew this coming in here. You you." You understand is I'm I'm this is not new information. I just want to lovingly remind you, remind us of the importance of our role in our marriage relationship. Wives, respect your husbands. Oftentimes your husband doesn't want to be loved in the same way that you want to be loved. He wants to be respected, he wants to be to be admired. And when when we can do when you can do that and identify that, you are more likely to be loved in the way that you want to be loved. Now, I know that this whole conversation is rather stereotypical. It's, ra- it's kind of just, you know, stereotypical men and women, and you might think in your situation, your marriage, it just doesn't fit into that mold, or for your roles as men and as a man and as a woman, it just doesn't fit into that. If, if that's how, how you feel, how you think about that, and things are going well, great, fantastic. Then, uh, Ephesians 5.33 may not hit you the way it hits other people, and and you roll into other foundational scriptures and keep things going, but if you're anything like me and my relationship with my wife, if you're anything like the audience that Paul was addressing when he wrote these words, Ephesians 5.33 is a game changer. It is a game changer. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your word. Some of these stories we grow up learning and enjoying, and it's, it's, it's such a pleasure. God, there are moments in Scripture where you, you go so deep, deeper than any counselor, deeper than any conversation we can have about these, these deep relationships. You understand our hearts. You understand our needs as men and as women. So I'm so thankful for these words of Paul. And I pray that you would, you would bless this gathering, this moment, the hearing of your words here in this verse. Father, I pray that you would bless couples here in this room who are, who are struggling, who are in desperate need of something different to stop the crazy cycle. God, I pray that supernaturally there would be something that comes up. All it takes is one person, the stronger one, to just say, I will respect even if I don't feel loved. I will love even if I don't feel respected. God, would you give us the courage to do that today? Would you bless conversations today at lunch, this evening, God, this week? May there be something different because we are in your presence here this morning. Bless our efforts to love more, to respect more. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you.